One of the kids came up last night and said, so pastor, are we having the children's class? I said, no, no, everybody has to stay in church. Oh. <laughs> they were excited to come to church because they wanted to go to their children's class. But that's cool. That's great. Um, no, I, I told, I told, uh, Roy and, and, and Pastor Elsie when we were, um, planning this all, all this out, I wanted to just make the Christmas morning more of an intimate time for us, just a, a quiet time. I don't think I'm going through the sound system. There we are. Now I'm going through the sound system. It doesn't go on the, rec- on the recording if it's not going through the mic. So anyway, I told, I told Pastor Elsie and Roy when we were scheduling and planning this that I wanted this to be more of an intimate time. So he, they, they led singing for, you know, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, and then I'm going to do a short devotional rather than a, a sermon sermon. And then we're going to have communion and then we'll go home. Um, I don't know, uh, how to express it other than to just say last night, it was, for me, it was palpable, the presence of God. I mean, I, I was thinking about uh, this morning as I was having quiet time. I was almost almost just tears right here, just about ready to just, just, just well over and, and in my gratitude to the Lord for what he did last night and how he, he moved in such a, a powerful way. And I had, as I said last night, I had sense that the Lord wanted me to have an altar call, but I didn't, you know, it's like Christmas Eve, eh, we're just doing, there's no sermon, it's just scripture and singing, scripture and singing, scripture and singing, but every time I tried to get away from it, the Lord said, no, this is what I want, and so in obedience last night, before we closed, I offered an altar call, and I don't know uh, if you recognize or heard what I said, but eight people raised their hands saying that they had made a commitment to the Lord. There were only 48 people here last night. So what that means is one out of every six people either came to know Jesus as their personal savior for the very first time in their life or made a rededication of their life to God. And that's between them and God. I'm not worried about that. I'm not worried about numbers so, so much, but I'm recognizing that there were there was one sixth of our congregation last night that had business to do with God. And God was here to make to, to do that business with them. And, and I was thinking as I was pray, praying this morning and having my devotions, it was like, Lord, what a glorious, glorious thing. Thank you. Thank you for the gift that you gave us. Thank you for the fact that they are your, that they are in right relationship with you, that they are your children. Thank you, God, that I'm your child. I mean, it was just this wonderful, glorious thing. And then I had my regular devotions, my regular everyday devotions. Well, as part of my regular everyday devotions, I always read the daily psalm. So whatever the date is, that's not psalm, proverb. Whatever the date is, that's the proverb that I read. So today was the 25th, and so I turned to Proverbs 25, and I read through, there's like 35 verses or so, but I got to verse 21, and it says, um, well, let me, let me turn to it real quick, because I, I have it, but I don't have it. Proverbs 25, verse 21. If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he's thirsty, give him water to drink. For you will heap burning coals on his head and the Lord will reward you. And I that, that one stuck out to me. And so I quickly copied it and posted it into my notes thinking, well, I'll, I'll do that in my sermon. But what does that have to do with Christmas? What does that have to do with relationship with God? That's, but that's what I put down. 
And then I was looking at other passages and there was one that came to my mind that it's actually Paul, the apostle, is quoting this proverb when he writes in Romans chapter 12, repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves. Leave it to the wrath of God. For it's written, vengeance is mine. I'll repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, and this is where he's quoting Proverbs 25. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You know, when I was a brand new Christian, I would read that. And I jokingly would say, don't, I mean, if your enemy is hungry, Feed him. If your enemy is thirsty, give him something to drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals upon his head. (laughs) But the reality is, is if you look at the history of what that's saying, back in those days, they didn't have automatic electrical igniters on their propane stoves. They didn't have matches in boxes that they could keep in a shelf. They didn't have propane. They, They literally had to keep a fire going all night to stay warm. And then when it came time to cook in the morning, they had to liven up those coals. Well, if for some reason their fire went dead and the coals went cold, they would have to go to a neighbor and ask if they could have some coals. And that neighbor would then give them coals in a pan and they would put it on their head on a like a turban thing because it's too hot to hold. And they would balance it on their head as they came home, carrying the flames or the the coals so that they could have food and warmth. So you were indeed blessing your neighbor by giving them of your live coals. And so Paul and the proverb writer both are saying, if you have somebody who is your enemy, bless them. Don't curse them. Give them something. Bless them. Because... That's what you do. That's what God expects of you. And I was like, well, that's really good. I should write this down. And so I was writing that these thoughts down. And then I got to Matthew chapter 18, which is today's chapter, because we were going through the book of Matthew. Well, Matthew chapter 18 is all about offense. If you read through it, if you haven't read it already, with the exception, well, even at the beginning, it says, um, it says, talks about who is the greatest and Jesus takes a child and puts him in the midst of his disciples. He says, unless you become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives such a child in my name receives me, but whoever causes one of these little ones to believe in me to stumble, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and be drowned in the depth of the sea. Well, that's a really good Christmas message. And then, and then the next part of it talks about tempting and being tempted. And it says, and it's better for you to rip your eye out or, or tear off one of your hands or your feet than to go to hell fully whole because it's more important that you be right with God. I was like, okay, that's also not so much a real nice fluffy Christmas story. Then it talks about the parable of lost sheep. I was like, yeah, there we go. I can talk about the lost sheep. We had eight people come to the to the Lord last night in either rededication or first time commitment. Praise God. That's really cool. But that's not what God wanted me to talk to you about. But then the next two sections in chapter 18, God would not leave me alone with. 
And I will read to you the, 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 the heading because we don't have time to read through all the verses. Verses 15 all the way through to the end. 15 to 20 talks about if your brother sins against you. And this is a standard for how to work in the church. It's a brother we're talking about, you know, a brother or sister in Christ. This isn't somebody out in the world. This is a brother or sister in Christ. This isn't an enemy. This is a brother or sister in Christ. If you have someone who has harmed you, go to them and talk to them about what they've done. If they listen to you, you've gained the brother back. If they won't listen, then bring a couple of witnesses from the church and confront them again. And if they still won't respond, then bring it before the church. And if they still won't repent and still won't respond, then treat them as if they were tax collectors, literally don't have anything to do with them. And then he says, immediately after that, he said, he tells, a, a, Peter comes up to him and he says, Lord, if my brother sins against me and then he comes and asks for forgiveness, how many times am I supposed to forgive him? And Jesus said, you're supposed to forgive him 77 times. And some other gospels say 70 times seven. Either way, 77 times or 70 times seven, that's a lot of forgiveness. And then Jesus tells a story about a servant who owed his master a huge sum of money. And he came in, he couldn't, he couldn't pay it back. And he begged for grace and for mercy and the master forgave him the entire debt. And then the guy, just having received that grace and that mercy and the forgiveness of that huge debt, walks out and sees one of the other fellow servants who owes him 10 bucks. And he says, give me what you owe me. And the guy's like, I don't have it. I don't have it. What do you mean you don't have it? You said you'd pay me today. And he literally has the guy thrown into prison so that he can pay off the debt. And the other servants hear what's going on and they go to the master. They go, do you know what that guy just did? So the master calls him back in and calls him on the carpet. I'm like, these are all really rich stories, Lord, and these are good spiritual things, but what does it have to do with Christmas? And this is what God said to me. Bob, I love you. You are my child, and I want what's best for you. And I am so thankful that you've committed your life to me. I'm so thankful that you have... Ask for forgiveness for your past sins, that you have received grace from me, that you are in right relationship with me. But I expect more than just just initial stuff. I want you to be holy. I want you to be fully mine. And if there are anything going on in your world where you are holding things against somebody else, that's not fully mine. That's selfish. And you need to resolve that. I'm like, God, what what are you talking about? What are you talking about? And then he brought all of this up. All of these things that he had me read this morning was so ridiculous. Because this was not what I was thinking. I was be talking to you guys about this morning. But this is what God wanted me to share with you. If you have somebody in your life that is an enemy. And I don't have any enemies that I know of. It's not mine to try and get them. It's mine to bless them. If I have a brother or a sister in Christ who has harmed me or who is continuing to harm me, yeah, I need to confront them. 
But if they refuse to change, then I need to do something about it. And there's a step-by-step process that the Lord gave us on how to resolve that. But if somebody comes to me and says, I'm sorry, Bob, I for, I, please forgive me. Then it's mine to, now it's on me to forgive. And if you remember in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15, he says, if you don't forgive, your heavenly father is not going to forgive you. Okay, God, so what is all of this about? And then this was the zing. This is exactly where he got me. I had to, I mean, I spent a glorious time this morning with God. I was in tears. I was sitting there looking at the tree and just reminiscing of all the people in our lives that have come through. I I was thinking about the Cochran family from almost 20 years ago. I was thinking about Ruth Root and I was thinking about Maggie and I was thinking about all of the people that I, Christy, Christy, uh, Nehemiah, I'm at Christy. Meister, all of these people who have gone on to be with the Lord that, that were part of our congregation. And some of them I had a kind of an interesting relationship with, but all of them, they were brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and it was just one of these, I was just reminiscing and I almost called my aunt because I was like, oh God, I'm so, I just, I was so full of all of this. And then he went, what? Well, this is being recorded. So I don't want to use names. Unfortunately, I'm going to give details. If anybody watches this, they may know anyway, but it's from my past. There was a situation in my past, back in the 80s, where somebody caused harm to my family. Brother in Christ. And that brother in Christ stayed in relationship with me through the years and has even at at one point came up to Alaska on a vacation and sought me out, wanted to visit. And we made nice. But there's never been a closeness in relationship. There's never been a brotherly closeness. I've never felt loved, honored, supported by this person. They're brother in Christ and they gave lip service, but they never really made me feel honored or loved or special in any way, shape or form. Um, And I didn't realize that I was holding something in my heart against them. And they also caused harm to other family members. They have since repented and confessed, but they never come back to me and said they were sorry for the harm that they caused. I mean, it was serious harm. You don't need to know all the details. Serious harm. I mean, we're talking about loss of livelihood harm. Well, back in January of 2022, this person was diagnosed with a terminal illness. And on December 20th of this year, they died. And they're in heaven. They're with the Lord. They're experiencing their eternal reward. And I had ambivalence in my heart. I don't know if you know what that term means. I'll share with you what it means. Because it's one of those words you hear, but you never know what it means. It means you have no good feelings or bad feelings. It's It's just there. You don't know whether whether to feel good or bad. I should be rejoicing. This man is no longer in suffering. This man is no longer in pain. I certainly am not happy that they died. I'm certainly not happy that that they're no longer um, in pain. I mean, I am happy that they're no longer in pain. I'm not certain. I'm certainly not happy that 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 they're no longer in relationship with their family. That the the church that they were ministering to and ministering in was is now in pain right now at Christmas time. All of that. 
It, it is a sad thing. But for me, it's like, eh, what difference does it make? No, t- doesn't touch my life. And the Lord talked to me this morning about that. And he said, Bob, literally, Bob, you are holding on to something from 40 years ago. You have not ever given it up. Well, he didn't ask for my forgiveness. So where am I responsible to forgive him, God? That's not the point, Bob. (laughs) Whether he asked for forgiveness or not, you know what my scripture says. My scripture says that you're to be at peace with all as much as it depends on you. That's Romans chapter 12, by the way. As much as it depends on you, be at peace with all. Doesn't matter if they've never asked for forgiveness. You need to let it go. And I had to spend time on my face before God this morning telling him I'm sorry for the sin of holding on to a hurt that happened 40 years ago. I thought I was in right relationship with God. And I I am in right relationship. I mean, I could hear God speaking to me. He talked to me last night about having an altar call. I very clearly heard the Lord giving us directions about where the church is supposed to be going. I very clearly hear the Lord in my own walk every day. But this was an area where I was not giving in to God because he hurt me and he hurt my family. And you don't hurt my people. My wife was sharing last night with somebody. I'm a papa bear when it comes to my kids. Don't mess with my family because I will rip your face off. Now, that doesn't go well with being a pastor. So, <laughs> and it doesn't go well with being Christian. But the reality is, is, is I have allowed the enemy a space in my life. And I don't see this as a deep surgery where God is removing a cancer and poison. I don't see that. I see it's more of a refining. He's just taking off some of the stuff that's needing to be, some of the little garbage that never got cleaned out before. He's just buffing and cleaning it. That's what I see is happening. I don't feel any great remorse of, oh God, I've been a fake all these years. That's none of that. But I want to be the best Christian that I can possibly be. And if my gift to God is me, then I want to offer the best that I have. And I don't want it to be warts and all. I want it to be clean and pure and holy. I want to be in right relationship with God. And when God says to me, we need to talk, I want to be of such a mind and heart that I'm willing to listen and I don't argue back. And I say, Lord, yes, sir, you are absolutely right. Please forgive me and help me to do better. See, that's the one thing that's so interesting about being part of a holiness denomination. In our theology, we talk about Christian holiness. We talk about Christian perfection. Perfection, Christian perfection does not mean never, ever, ever sinning again. Christian perfection means being the best That you can be for God under the strength and power of the Holy Spirit. And when God brings up something, you say, yes, sir, salute and move on. You don't go, no, it's mine. 
And for 40 years, this was mine to hold. And I nurtured this pain. That guy doesn't even know. Maybe he does now because I don't know what they see in heaven. <laughs> I don't know what they can see down here. But, but he doesn't even know that I held that. He didn't, he didn't feel any remorse or pain because he didn't know he hurt me. I never, I never confronted him. See, Matthew 18 says, if somebody has harmed you, go to them. Let him know that. Give him an opportunity to, to, to seek forgiveness and make right. I never did. I just held on to it for 40 years. So now at the time of his death, I don't feel anything. That's sad. And that's not what Christianity is about. Christianity is about right relationship. Christianity is about being good. Being, I don't mean good as in trying to be good or holy. I'm talking about right. Being in right relationship with God and with man. That's what Christianity is all about. Forgiveness, love, grace, mercy. Being bold enough to come to somebody and say, Hey, what you said hurt me. And then, on the other side, being willing to receive that and say, you know, I am sorry. And I will do this publicly because I did this publicly. Beverly and Marlene, I was trying to be funny and I took advantage of the fact that you weren't in the room this morning. And I felt horrible when you walked in the door. I'm sorry if I caused harm. That was not my intent. I was just joking. But then you came in the door and I went, oh, they're going to think that I was serious. So I'm sorry if I caused harm. There was no intent. Please forgive me. My heart is clear. I hope I've said what I needed to say. Um, let me... Let me close it out by doing this. This was the, this was the verse that I wanted to say the end of. So I think I'm going to do it. Chapter 18 of Matthew verse 4 says, Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. It's all about being innocent and humble and winsome and lighthearted. Children very seldom have problems, interpersonal relationship problems. <laughs> children are just children. And that's what God expects from us. He wants us to just be in right relationship with him and with each other. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so very much for what you did last night. I thank you for what you're doing this morning. I thank you, Father, for the fact that we are in right relationship with you because of the blood of Christ. And Father, as we're getting ready to celebrate communion together, I thank you that we can do that with a clean conscience, knowing that we are in right relationship with you, knowing that our sins are forgiven, knowing that this represents the very act that Christ did for us on the cross. God, bless us. Take us out into the world this week, carrying the message of the gospel that you forgive sins and that you desire relationship. We give you praise, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.